Today, uh, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about what I talked about Wednesday night at Sozo. I know that everybody got to come to Sozo. It was amazing. It was a couple awesome, awesome days. And so um, I wanted to kind of go back and uh, just share because I felt like this message was just so good uh, for uh, this season right now. So come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We give it to you. Open up our hearts to hear directly from you. We love you. We love you. And everybody agrees. Said? Amen. Amen. If you got a Bible, uh, open up to Romans. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine and okay. It will be on the screen uh, for you this morning. Uh, but Romans chapter 12, uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, so God's calling us brothers and sisters, meaning that we're a part of a family. I love that perspective that we are all a part of God's family. We're welcome in God's home. We're welcome. We're like we talked about last week that we have a culture that includes God includes us into his family. And I love that when you're a part of a family that nothing is held back from you. That is such a great perspective about family that in family, family goes, we're here. We got you. We got your back, and that's what God's saying right here, that you're a part of his family. He says, I plead that you would give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that will find acceptable. I love that our bodies bring glory to God, okay? I love that what we do on a daily basis is bringing glory to God. And how many of you know that that doesn't always feel that way, okay? That doesn't always feel that way when I'm at my job. It doesn't always feel that way when I'm taking care of my kids. It doesn't always feel that way when I'm vacuuming the carpet for the hundredth time this week because my kids spill junk everywhere, okay? I don't always feel like, man, vacuuming this floor right now is bringing glory to God. But the truth is, is that anything that we can do in our lives, we can do it unto the Lord. And we can bring glory to him. And so that helps sometimes give us a bigger perspective of how we're utilizing our bodies. That we're not just going through our days and that we're just aimlessly just getting by or aimlessly just doing our tasks or aimlessly doing our job. But that when we do our job, we're really glorifying God. You know, I was thinking about this, Amanda. When, when you teach those kids you're glorifying God because he gave you knowledge and he gave you understanding. He gave you wisdom to be a teacher. And so you're using it to glorify him. I love that perspective on life. Okay, Verse 2, it says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing of the way that you think. Transform, okay? Um, there is this picture where Jesus takes a few of the disciples up on a mountain. Okay, and they get to the mountain, and Jesus kind of transforms in front of them. Okay, and there's Moses and Elijah right there on both sides of Jesus on this mountaintop, and Jesus is showing these disciples, yeah, I'm a human, and I became a human being, and I'm walking through life with you as a human being, but he takes them up on this mountaintop, and he transforms into who? God, who he truly is. And the disciples are amazed at what's happening on this mountaintop. This word used in Romans right here, transformed, is the same thing that's happening to Jesus in the gospel when we see that story. 
this word is saying to us we are called to transform to look more and more like Jesus, okay? And, I, and when I grew up in church and I heard that perspective, I thought of the perspective of, okay, what are the hundred things that I'm going to have to give up to look more and more like Jesus, right? I just started thinking about lists. I started thinking about all the things that I did wrong or all the things that I failed at or all the things that I wasn't good at. And I would start thinking about all these lists and I would quickly become what? Overwhelmed. Just overwhelmed in my soul, overwhelmed in my thinking. Like there's never going to be a day where I'm going to fulfill this list and get all these things right and check all the boxes. But that's really not the perspective that God wants us to have. Okay, so if we know that God's nature is what? God's nature is love, okay? We know that God's nature is goodness. We just read it in Psalms 23 today, okay? We know that this is a picture of who God is. So when we're being transformed, what are we being transformed into? Love and goodness and mercy and kindness and joy, just like who? God our Father. That's what we're called to be transformed into. And it says that we are transformed this way by the way that we think. And it says this, then we will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's got a great plan for each and every life. Good, good plans, good plans to prosper you, good plans to increase you, good plans to favor you, good plans to bless you. And so God says, I got a plan for that, and I'm going to help you to know that good and pleasing plan for your life. Um, I really believe that God has great things in store for our lives, but we have to change the way we think. Now, um, I shared this story at Sozo, and I love it. How many of you love Kroger? I love Kroger. I was just talking about Kroger uh, this morning. Uh, Corey's got to get some flowers. It's his anniversary. How many years has it been? Six years. Come on. Let's give it up for Corey. Anniversary day. So I said, hey, go to Kroger's. They got good flowers. And he's like, he said that to me. He goes, man, you really like Kroger. I was like, yeah, I do. And one of the things I love about Kroger is that in Kroger, their pop section, it's always cool. It's always cold. It's always a few degrees colder than if you go to stinky old Walmart and you get their hot pop. Okay, can I tell you a Walmart story that happened to me like two weeks ago, okay? So I'm grabbing a two-liter. You know how their two-liters are like super high up there? So I, even they're high for me. And so I grab this two-liter of Coke and pull it, and I'm like walking away. And another two liter of Coke comes flying down and it hits like the top of the bottle. And I kid you not, this thing shot like a rocket. I mean, it flew into like the baby section and pop is just flying behind me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for this. You know, I just, I was like, I am out of here. I am so out of here. I'm like, Thank God. Listen, I used to work at Walmart, so uh, I, I paid my dues, all right? So, so anyways, I love Kroger. I love that the pop there is a little colder. And a few months ago, I was thinking to myself, why is the pop at Kroger cold? 
Why is it cold? I don't, I don't understand this. And I'm not really always the smartest person in the room. And so it took me a couple months because I go to Kroger a lot. Levi knows this. We go to Kroger a lot, okay? And so a couple weeks ago, I was in Kroger, and it just hit me. It just kind of nailed me in the head. And I thought, oh, I totally get it, okay? The ecosystem. <laughs> There's an ecosystem created in Kroger, meaning between the frozen food section and the refrigerated section, there's a temperature that is being set in the atmosphere, okay? These two, the frozen foods and the refrigerator, are setting a temperature difference. You ever been in a store before, and you walk to one end of the store, and you're like, oh, man, I'm cold now. Why am I cold? And you go to the other end of the store, and you're like, oh, it's hot over here. It's because that section is producing an atmosphere. Now, the pop lives in between these two sections, correct? Okay, so the pop is getting what? It's getting chill. It's getting colder. Oh, Adam, you're so smart. Come on. Oh, with that hat, too. It's amazing, okay? (laughs) So what I'm trying to go with is this, is that God says, I want to change your thinking, okay? I want you to be transformed into my likeness. I want you to be transformed into what I have in store for you so that you can know my will, my desire, my plans, which are good for you. But that means this. We're going to have to stop being a thermostat. I talked about, okay, sometimes we're a thermostat and sometimes we're a thermometer. And thermometers only are what? They're only there to take the temperature and become what the temperature around them are. Okay, so the pop is becoming what? The temperature that is around it. So if I took that same two liter of pop and I moved it down to the other end of the store, would it still be cold? No, it's going to change to what temperature? Whatever the temperature is on that side of the store. So if the temperature on that side of the store is, let's say it's 67 degrees, the pop is going to become 67 degrees, okay? I remember I heard this story a long time ago, okay? There's a man, and he goes to a shipping yard, okay? And he goes into one of these large containers, okay? And he goes into the container, and when he's in the container doing some work, somebody goes by, and they close the door, and they lock it, and they shut him in, and he gets stuck there over the weekend, okay? And so all weekend long, he's stuck in this container, okay? People are gone. Nobody's around, and his first thought is this, you know, it's getting to be wintertime, and, you know, it's getting cold out, and I just hope that I don't freeze to death inside of this container, okay? So day one goes by, day two goes by, it's a long weekend. By day three, the man has gotten to a place where he is shivering cold in a ball. He's freezing to death. He's hitting hypothermia. His body is shutting down. The next day, workers come back. They open up the container. They find the man. They call for an ambulance. The ambulance comes. They take care of him. They treat him. Obviously, the man lives, okay? Now, here's the craziest thing about this story is this, that all weekend long, the coldest that it had gotten in that container was 52 degrees. But in his mind, he believed that it was colder. And he believed in a lie. And because he believed that it was colder, his body started to react like it was colder. 
and his body started to shut down like it was colder, even though it was only 52 degrees, okay? So there's some strength in the way that we think, is there not? There's some power in the thoughts that we have in life, okay? And I'm going to show you this uh, today. Levi, you want to help me out? Okay? So in that verse in Romans, it says this, okay? Yeah, you can come on up. Come on. You got it? Levi looking all good today? All right, looking good. All right, so in that verse, it says this, not to be conformed to the culture of this world, okay? So how many of you know this, that the world is putting off a temperature, correct? All right? And right now, if I was to say the temperature of the United States and where we live, it is what? The temperature is fear, okay? Especially because we're going into this election. And there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot going on, okay? And so culture sets a temperature, okay? Now, we have to decide, does our thinking accept that temperature, and do we become the temperature of culture around us? Because that's what Romans is talking about. Romans is saying this, that don't be conformed to the temperature that the world is setting, okay? Because the world is constantly getting, what, darker and darker and darker in its thinking, in its perspectives, in its morality. It is constantly getting darker and darker, and Jesus said this would happen especially right before he came back. He said, it will be like the day of Noah. And if you read the book of Genesis, you can find out in the day of Noah, it looked a lot like it looks today, okay? So culture setting a temperature, all right? And it changes sometimes the way that we think, okay? So we have some props up here, okay? So number one, we have this. We use this cup, and this, I'm going to say, is us, okay? So this is us today. Can you grab that sprite behind you? All right, so we have us, okay? And we're going to put us into the bowl. And then we have God, okay? I like using Sprite because it's bubbly and it's clear. And Jesus is bubbly and clear. And so I thought, let's just use, let's use Sprite. And so God pours his spirit into our minds, okay? So we add some of God into our minds. All right, there we go, there we go. Now we have culture. We have the world. Okay, so what does the world put into us? Okay, the world will put some what? Some fear into us. I don't know about you, but I've had some fearful days about the election that's coming up. I've had some fearful thoughts about, hey, where's our country headed? I've had some fearful thoughts about, man, this is the world that my kids are growing up in. So the enemy culture will put some fear into what? Into our thinking. And you can see right away it starts to what? Starts to pollute our thinking starts to dull our thinking. So we have some fear that we put into our thoughts, okay? Then maybe we have some what? What else is our country big in right now? Selfishness, okay? We have a really selfish country that we live in. And selfishness is, I believe, it's just kind of like a spirit that reproduces itself, okay? Everybody's about their life and getting theirs. And we definitely see this with social media, we all want to be worshipped. We all want glory. We all want our lives to increase. We all want people to be excited about our life, our future. And so guess what? We'll throw some selfishness into our thinking from culture, okay? And guess what? It just adds to the pollution of our minds, adds to culture seeping into our minds, okay? So then 
maybe what's next? What else is big in culture right now? Pride, okay? Pride is huge in our culture. Everybody thinks they're right. <laughs> Am I right? Everybody <laughs> thinks, I mean, seriously, ah, you know. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks their opinion is 100% perfect. Just get on Facebook for 20 minutes, okay? And you will see pride at its finest, okay? And so culture throws in some pride into our thought life. And then, you know, what else? How about, how about some addiction, you know? Don't we all have some addiction in our life? Don't we all have some kind of Starbucks addiction? We, I mean, we will, oh, is that, we, are we all right? You don't know what happened? That's pride, Levi. No. <laughs> but like Melissa, this morning, she said she, said she, gave, up, she gave up showering to go to Starbucks this morning. I know, I know, I know. She was out. She was coming from work. Uh, listen, I'm just picking on you. Listen, I pick on people I love. Okay, but the reality is this, is that we'll get some addiction in our life on some kind of level, and addiction could be anything. I mean, whenever we say this word addiction, we can think of, you know, horrible, horrible things that make us addicted, but I'm talking about anything could be addictions, okay? And so when we have the culture setting the temperature of our minds, our minds become what? Polluted, not clear, becomes foggy. It's hard to make decisions. It's hard to know what's up and down and right and wrong. It's hard to know where, you know, morality really stands. It's hard to know what God wants. It's hard to know what, like this, what the word said in Romans, to know what God's acceptable and blessed and perfect will is for my life because culture has polluted my mind. So what do I need? What do I need for my mind, okay? I need the word of God. I need God's spirit. I need God's presence. I need God in my life to help give me some clarity. So we pour some God into our minds, okay? And and you can see that when God's word comes in, it starts doing what? It starts pushing out culture. It starts pushing out what the world thinks. It starts pushing out, and then guess what happens? Our minds become what again? Clear. Our thoughts become clear. All of a sudden, guess what? Like the Bible said this morning, my cup, what? It overflows. Overflows with blessing. Overflows with God's goodness. Overflows with God's love. And my mind is clear. And I can think like God thinks. And I can see how God sees. And I can make the right decisions as it relates to taking care of my family. I can make the right decisions as it relates to do I take this job or don't I take this job? Or do I leave this job and move into a new job? My mind becomes what? Clear from God's thinking. Come on, give it up for Levi for helping me. Even though he knocked down a microphone. It's okay. It's all right. He's going to move those things for me. So I want to do this today. All right? Can you come up and play behind? So cool. Yeah. 
I want to show you something really cool this morning, okay? I love how God works. Can you bring him down just a little bit, Matt? Is that right? In life, we all have these moments where I believe the enemy comes in like a flood and he starts to try to dictate our thought life. Okay? How many know we have a lot of thoughts every day? A lot of thoughts. Okay? Now, I read a study one time. And this wasn't a Christian study. This was a scientific study that said that 80% of the thousands upon thousands of thoughts that we have on a daily basis, 80% of them are negative. 80% of them speak to what you aren't, speak to what you don't have, speak to what you, you know, the negative situation that you're looking at, okay? And I, and I understand this firsthand, okay? My mom, my biological mom, I don't see her all the time, and I don't talk to her all the time. I need to talk to her more. But my mom, she is... And I'm, this is gonna sound so mean, but she's the most negative person I've ever met in my life. When, when she was, oh man, she was 19. She met my dad. They were young, 19. I think they dated for like six months, and then they got married. And then at 20 years old, she had me. Okay, it's young. That's a young mom. Man, I can't imagine. If I had Michael when I was 20, I was such an idiot when I was 20 years old, okay? No offense to anybody that's 20 years old. It's just, I just, you know, held the title of 20-year-old idiots, okay? But, so my mom had me when I was 20. Two years later, she had my sister. And then a year after that, she had my brother, okay? And in the midst of all this, my mom and dad had a lot of fighting, a lot of bickering, they came from two different worlds. They didn't see things exactly the same. And one day, my dad decided, you know what? I've had enough of this. There's a job I want to pursue down in Texas. He got in his car, and he left. And he never came back. Here's my mom, 24 years old, three kids, and alone. And how many of you know that'll mess a person up? How many know that the enemy's plan is to what? Kill, steal, destroy. And he was working his plan. Now, the sad thing about this whole scenario is this, is that negativity creeped in. And these thoughts that the enemy will bring in our lives creeped in. And she just never, ever seemed to get past them. Everything is negative. Everything. I mean, I could call her on the phone right now, and I could be like, hey, Mom, how are you doing? And she'll go, mm, I've had better days. And I'll go, all right, well, I'm believing for better days for you, you know? And, I mean, the first thing she'll say. So I wrote down some things that sometimes the enemy will come in and say to us, okay? Some things that he'll try to get our, our thinking to change. He'll come in and he'll say something like this. You're just too tired. You're, you're just, you're too tired. Jeff, 
that's just, it's been a long day. You can't have right attitudes. You can't have good perspectives. You are too tired. But remember what we just did, okay? So culture brings in a thought into our minds. But then what do we do? What is the antidote for our minds? It's the Word of God, okay? The Word of God comes in and it cleanses our thinking. So what do we do then? We look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, okay? It says this. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and recover life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. Grace. God says, listen, when you're tired, let me fill you with grace. He says, my grace works sufficient in your tiredness. So culture says you're tired. The enemy says you're tired. You combat it with Matthew. Maybe the next lie that he brings is this. It's impossible. You're looking at an impossible situation right now in your life. And I don't know what that impossible situation looks like to you, but I know what it looks like to me on some days. But I don't know what that looks like to you. Maybe it's something impossible in your family. Maybe it's something impossible in your job. Maybe it's feeling like I'm never going to obtain this life that I'm striving for, feeling impossible. But you know what the word says in Luke chapter 18? It says this, he replied, what is impossible for people is possible for God. What is impossible for people is possible for God. God is a God that says, it's never impossible with me. It's never impossible with me. I had a 17-year-old young man in our youth group one time. His heart was four times larger than it should be. He was going to Cincinnati, not Cincinnati, but uh, Cleveland Clinic the next morning, the next morning to have open heart surgery to work on this heart. You know what God said? You know what? This is not an impossible situation for me. Marissa remembers? We laid hands on this kid. We prayed over this kid. The next morning, he goes to the Cleveland Clinic. They always do a checkup right before they go into surgery, so they take a look at his heart, and all of a sudden, his heart is perfect. It's perfect. I have this paper that the doctor gave him. The doctor said, there is no medical reasoning for your healing. It is a miraculous healing. This is what this doctor wrote. He said, this is a miraculous healing. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with him. Maybe you feel like this. Maybe the enemy comes and says, I can't forgive myself. I can't move on. I can't, I can't move on from the mistakes. I can't move on from my past. I can't move on from the feeling like I'm a failure. I can't move on. I have a hard time forgiving myself. Well, this is what the word says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, now there is no, Look at your neighbor say, no, there is no, there is no, okay? There is no condemnation, none. And what does this word condemnation mean? Guilt and shame. There's no guilt, so you can just put that in there. There's no guilt. There is no shame for those who belong to who? Christ Jesus. When I'm in Christ Jesus, there is no guilt. There is no shame. I constantly wake up every morning going, thank you, God, that your forgiveness reigns and rules in my life. And because you belong to him, it says, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin and death. 
so glad that God forgives me. He is so faithful. Maybe the next lie is this. You can't go on. Just feel like you can't go on. Anybody feel that way? I feel like that, okay? I'm just being honest. There's a lot of days I feel like, man, this day just feels so overwhelming. You know, a couple weeks ago, Ben threw up in his bed at 3 in the morning, and then he came and just really nicely climbed in our bed and then threw up in our bed and didn't tell us that he threw up in his bed. And then a few hours later, my two-year-old wakes up and he's thrown up in his bed. How do you know at those moments you feel like, can I, listen, Lord, seriously, there's, there's got to be a better plan than this, right? You feel like, golly, how am I going to go on? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Each time he said, my grace is all that you need. My grace is all that you need. My power works best in your weakness. God's looking for us to come to that place where we go, guess what? I can't go on. I can't go on, God. And he goes, well, that's good because now I can go on for you. Now I can carry you. Now I can carry your burdens. Now I can carry your troubles. Now I can walk with you in life. Now I can help you. Listen, God's going to help you with a job, okay? I know you're worried about that, but he says, stop being worried about that. Let me carry that. Let me take care of that. I got it all worked out. I know exactly what you need, Melanie. God knows. God knows. God knows. He knows how to carry us. He knows how his grace works sufficiently. Maybe you feel like I can't manage. I just have so much to manage. Corey, I know you've been feeling this way lately. Just so much to manage. There's just so much to do. Well, Philippians 4.19 says this, and the same God who takes care of us and me will supply all that your needs from his glorious riches which he has given to us through Christ Jesus. He'll give you everything you need to manage. God's a good God. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He takes good care of us. Maybe you say this, I'm afraid. Second Timothy says, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear or intimidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Maybe you feel alone. Hebrews 13, 5 says he'll never fail you. He'll never abandon you. Maybe you feel like you don't have enough strength. 1 John chapter 4, 4 says this, you belong to a God, dear children, who has already won victory for these people because of the spirit that lived in him is greater than the spirit in this world. Listen, Every time a lie comes, every time culture comes, every time a moment the enemy tries to set up to change our thinking, to change our perspectives, God goes, I got word, I got the word, I got truth, and I want to fill your mind with the truth so that you can be transformed into me, so that you can live in victory in this life, so that you can live in victory in your job, so you can live in victory in your home. So you can live in my grace. Listen, God never designed us. And let me make this abundantly clear. I totally believe 100% that God knit you together, put you together, designed you, created you. But when he created you, he created you with this void in your soul. And what is that void? It's his grace. You were never created to handle life on your own. Ever. That's not how you were designed. You were designed to walk in partnership with God and for him to go, let me show you my love. Let me show you my goodness. Let me show you my grace. Let me hold your hand through life and walk with you. That's how you're designed. 
But so often we go, you know what, God, I got this. I got this. I'm going to try to do this on my own. And we get tired and we get frustrated and we get lonely and we get fearful and we get overwhelmed. And God's going, that's not my best. That's not my plans. That's not what I have in store for you. Come, come partake of me. Come partake of me. Come take some of me. Come take some of my grace. Come take some of my goodness. Come take a part of me. Let me help you in life. Because he's a good father. Good father, why don't you stand up this morning? I love that perspective of God being a father. Love, 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 love. That's such a, such a cool perspective when we see that God is a father. Because guess what? A good father always looks at his kids and thinks what? I want the best. I want the best. I want the best. And if, even if you don't have kids, you'll understand this someday. And you probably even do understand it. You think to yourself, man, I love this little person. And I don't even know why, because this little person pees on me, he, he throws up on me, he, he yells at me, you know what I mean? I think about Luke every day, you know, like Luke was mad at me, he whacked me in the ear the other day, you know, and I'm thinking, why do I love you so much, you know? You don't treat me well. But the reality is this, when you're a good father, your heart is full of love, your heart is full of grace. And even when, even when Luke's throwing a tantrum, even when Luke isn't fun, even when Luke is, you know, whatever, in that moment, my heart still goes, you know what? I'm for you. I'm never against you. I'll never leave you. I got your back. I don't know your name. What's your name? Blake, right, Blake. I want you to know something. God was with you every single day when you were away, watching over you, protecting you, taking good care of you. He knew exactly where you were on the earth because he loves you. He's crazy about you. The moment you walked in here this morning, I was, God was like, man, I love this guy a lot. I'm super proud of this guy. That's my guy right there because he's a good father. Come on. Grab a hand next to you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, God, for your presence. God, we thank you that you are such a good father that watches over us and takes good care of us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that our thoughts would be different today that our thoughts would line up with what you say about our life, what you say in your word about fear and doubt and frustration and strength. God, we thank you, Lord, according to 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us, and that spirit has come, and the world didn't overcome that spirit, but the spirit overcame the world. And so I thank you that that same spirit is residing in us today, God given us strength, given us life. Lord, we thank you that John 10 said that you came to give life and life to the full. Now, God, we praise you and we honor you for it. I want to give just an opportunity real, real fast, every eye closed. Today, if you're in the house and you go, you know what, I've been running from the Lord, or maybe I just had a perspective of today of who Jesus is and I've never seen Jesus like this. I'll never forget, I grew up in church for 20 years. 
And I didn't never, I never saw Jesus this way, but I'll never forget the day that I saw Jesus this way. And I said, you know what? I want that. I want that Jesus. So today, if you're in here and you go, you know what? I need that Jesus. I need that life. I'm not in that life, but I want to be in that life. I want to be in that grace. Then today's your day. Today's the day. All you, all you do is say, you know what? I'm going to accept Jesus. I'm going to accept his grace. I'm going to accept his mercy. I'm going to accept his life. And I'm just going to say a simple prayer. If there's anybody in here today, all eyes closed. But if that's you, just throw up your hand for me. I want to pray for you this morning. If anybody is in the house, you go, I just want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Come on. Thank you so much. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Let's pray this together as a family together. Say, Jesus, we come to you, and I need you, and I need your grace, and I need your love, and I need your mercy. Now, I believe today that you died for me and that you love me. And so I accept you today. Fill my heart with your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you look on up? Isn't God good? Isn't his grace good? Isn't he just so awesome? Uh, yeah, come on. You can clap for God. She's like, I don't know if I can clap or not. No, you can. It's so good. Listen, we love you so much. Thank you again for being here. Next week, we're starting the new series, The Fan, Jersey Sunday. I want to see some jerseys next week, okay? We're going to have some fun with it. We love you. We love you. We will see you guys next weekend. Be